Now we will read two passages. First passage will start from Numbers 35, verses, verses 1 through 9. Verses 1 through 8. Numbers 35. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Command the people of Israel to give to the Levites some of the inheritance of their possession as cities for them to dwell in. And you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around the cities. The cities shall be theirs to dwell in, and their pasture land shall be for their cattle and for their livestock and for all their beasts. The pasture land of the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall reach from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. All you shall measure outside the city on the east side two thousand cubits and on the south side two thousand cubits and on the west side two thousand cubits and on the north side two thousand cubits the city being in the middle this shall belong to them as pasture land for their cities. The cities that you give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge, where you shall permit the manslayer to flee. And in addition to them, you shall give 42 cities. All the cities that you give to the Levites shall be 48 with their pasture lands. And as for the cities that you shall give from the possession of the people of Israel, from the larger tribes you shall take many, and from the small, smaller tribes you shall take few, each in proportion to the inheritance that it inherits, shall give of its cities to the Levites. And the second passage I would like to read with you is in Hebrew chapter 6, Hebrew chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to, their, to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he granted it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, who he, we who have fled for the refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as sure and safest anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of the Melchizedek. Numbers 35. 
verses 9 through 34. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a free refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them. That anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death, and he died, he is a murderer. A murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death, and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. And if he pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him, lying, lying in wait so that he died, or in enmity struck him down with his hand so that he died, then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if, if he pushed him suddenly without enmity or hurled anything on him without lying a, in wait or used a storm that could cause death, and without seeing him dropped it on him so that he died, though he was not his enemy and did not seek his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood. In accordance with these rules, and the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to, this, to his city of refuge to which he had fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, for he must remain in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of possession, and these things shall be for a statute and rule for you throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. If anyone kills a person, 
the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witness, but no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall accept no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall be put to death, and you shall accept no ransom for him who has fled to the city of refuge, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the high priest. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. This is the word of God, the text for the sermon message this morning. Beloved congregation of Jesus Christ, we all make small or big mistakes. There are times in our lives when we really wonder where I can flee from the mistakes which I made. Some things which we did were terrible, and they brought consequences to us. And we suffer greatly, and we become so hopeless. Is there a turning back for those big mistakes which, we, which, which caused disasters to our lives or to the lives of our beloved? In Numbers 35, God shows His grace in the cities of refuge for those people who made big and unintentional mistakes. And today, God graciously uses His wisdom in this passage to speak to you and give you hope. This morning, I will proclaim to you the word of the Lord under the theme, The Lord Shows His Grace by Establishing Cities of Refuge. We will consider three points. First point, the reality of this grace. Second point, the lesson in this grace. The third point, the truth in this grace. So first point, the reality of this grace. The cities of refuge might be an alien concept to people today, especially to us. But they appear in several places in the Old Testament and were a familiar thing to the people of Israel, Israelites and other people in the neighboring countries in the time. They were first established in Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 through 14, which writes, Whoever strikes a man so that he, does, he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. 
And they can also be found in Deuteronomy 19, Joshua chapter 20 and 21. So the first place of refuge when the Israelites were in the wilderness was the altar of the Lord. That was the first uh, place of refuge. However, later, after entering into the land of Canaan, the promised land which God gave to Israelites, but not all Israelites lived close to tabernacle, so people needed a, a new uh, accessible place to escape from the revenge of shedding blood. For this reason, at the beginning of chapter 35 in, chapter, uh, in, in Numbers, the Lord asked Moses to command the people of Israel to give the Levites some of the inheritance of their possessions as cities for them to dwell in. And then Levites were given 48 cities, and six out of the 48 were established as cities of refuge for the manslayer of, uh, to flee. Numbers 35, verses, verses 9 through 29, can be divided into three sections. First section is from verse 9 through 15, talks about the protection against unintentional killing. In such cases, the manslayer accidentally killed someone by accident. So they can flee to the nearest cities of refuge for protection. And the second part is from verses 16 through 21, tells us about the punishment of intentional killing. For those people who killed other people out of hatred and enmity, the cities of refuge is not responsible to protect them, and they will face the death penalty. And the last part is from verses 22 through 29, deals with the solution for, um, for doubting ca killings cases. In, in cases like this, are uh, not easy to make a judgment. So the manslayers can, can hide in a city of refuge and wait for the trial. If they are found not guilty, then they can continue to stay in the cities of refuge for protection, and they can regain freedom until the death of the high priest. Now, what we learn from this passage, what can we learn from this passage? There are a few things, there are a few instructions from the Lord we actually can learn from these passages, from these cities. First one is, how were cities of refuge designed? God instructed his people to select six cities to the city of refuge. These choices were not randomly, random choices but were selected with a clear purpose. Three cities of refuge on the west side of Jordan, the Jordan, and three on the east side of the Jordan. And verse 5 tells us that these cities should be in the middle of the pasture land. 
which means these six cities were evenly distributed throughout the entire land of Israel. And the gates of the cities needed to stand open day and night. One theologian says, even during the time of wartime, the cities should also keep should also remain open day and night. And, and the roads leading to cities of refuge needed to be well-maintained. Why? Because this was designed in such a way that the murderer would not have, would not have to access across, across a river or climb a high mountain to reach that city. And he also could be given enough time to flee on smooth roads to the, sea, to the nearby cities of refuge. If the cities of refuge were too far, the avengers probably could get enough time to catch and kill the runner. So Deuteronomy 19 verse 3 says, the Lord says to Moses, you shall measure the distance, distances and divide into three parts the area of the land that the Lord your God gives you as a possession so that any man's layer can flee to them. This is a clear commandment given by the Lord to the, to the people of Israelites. And second, what can we learn from these cities? The, the second thing is, who can benefit from the cities of refuge? The answer is, all people can flee to the cities of refuge for protection. It doesn't matter if one was an Israelite, a stranger, or a sojourner. As long as the killing was an unintentional accident, they can all flee to the cities of refuge. Deuteronomy 19 gives more information in this regard. For example, when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and his hand swings the ox to cut down a tree, and the head slips from the handle and swipes his neighbor so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and strike him fatally. Though the man did not deserve to die since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. But if the killing was premediated, then the murderer should face the death penalty. Number three, how did the cities of refuge function. In addition to offering of physical protection, the person who was accused of murdering would have better accommodations and receive the consolations of priests until the trials was completed. Also, cities of refuge prevented the avengers from killing innocents and bringing revenge uh, on top of another revenge. There is an old Chinese saying, vengeance has a way of rebounding upon oneself. 
Imagine revenge of blood prevails everywhere. An eye for an eye will only make the whole world more blind. And there will never be an end to taking revenge. If this happens today with guns, chemicals, and nuclear weapons, how many people would die? The idea of blood avenger was unique in that, in that age. The term avenger is goel in Hebrew, which can also be translated as kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer bears some responsibilities. One of them probably we are very familiar with is written in Ruth chapter 3, verse 13, Boaz, as a kinsman redeemer, needs to marry the poor widow, Ruth, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. But a kinsman redeemer also has another duty, which is to revenge for his relative who is killed by a murderer. In ancient times, they were so no police and lawyers like us today. So it was up to each family to, uh, to avenge murders, and they would persist in killing the murderer until they succeed. So if people were accused of murder, it would seem like a hopeless situation. He has to run and keep running all his life. And the custom goes back to Genesis 4, verse 15 and chapter 24, chapter 27, and verse 45. I, I will only read one for you. Genesis 4, 15. Genesis 4, 15 says, The Lord said to him, Cain, he said to Cain, Cain, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So this custom shows God's justice by punishing murderers who killed people out of hatred or enmity by lethal weapons, such as iron objects, stones, or wooden tools. This belongs to intentional killing. In such case, no ransom for the convicted murderer was possible. And God prevented them from using money to get away from punishment for murderer. But they are unclear or doubting cases. In such cases, Cities of Refuge provides a cooling off phase as well as due process for the accused. And the elders of town needed to examine and judge whether this murderer was guilty before the congregation. And the judge should require at least two witnesses. One is not enough. It should be at least two witnesses. If he was innocent, then he could stay in the city of refuge and could be set free until the death of the high priest. But 
if this murderer left before the death of the high priest, then revenge is legal. The revenger is free to take revenge, to kill the person who killed his relative, the member of his family. Now, what's the lesson in this grace that leads us to the second point? What's the lesson that the Lord wanted to give to the people of the Israelites in the ancient time? Having, talking, having talked about the function of cities of refuge, now we need to consider this question. To begin with, God knew the world that Israelites live in was a sinful and barbarian world. So God ordained the cities of refuge as a part of Mosaic law to rule and protect the people of Israel and keep them from the unjust shedding of blood. He showed his concern to Israel that if they killed some people without intent, they were places they could go for help. And the cities of refuge given to Israelites, uh, Levites correspond to God's promise to, to provide cities of refuge in Exodus 21, verses 12 and 13, which I just read in the first point. And God also shows to Israelites that He is the creator of humankind. He is the life giver, and He is created in God's image. So the unjust shedding of blood does not just offend society, but the sanctify, sanctity of life as well. And it is a serious offense against God. In Genesis 9, verse 3, God says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. God forbids Israelites taking vengeance out of wrong reasons. It belongs to, to God. No blood feud is permitted. Romans 12, verses 18 through 21 gives clear instructions in this regard. It says, If possible, so far as it dep depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God values the land of Canaan, not just because it is the promised land God promised to give to the people of Israelites, but also because it is the holy land sanctified by His presence living among the, His people. He is holy, God is holy, so He wants to keep His land undefiled, as He says to Israelites in verse 34. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst, in the midst of which I dwell, for I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. God cannot live in a polluted land 
without judging Israelites. Therefore, Israel must take special care to preserve the purity of the land by dealing with blood guilt whenever it occurs. And God wants the land to be ruled by law so that everything can move by order. Cities of refuge shows his wisdom. He did not allow ransom for buying the life of the offender in Israel, but this was not the case for the other people at the time. For example, both the Hittite laws and the Middle Assyrian laws provide for the payment of ransom to buy back the life of the murderer. Now, what does the Lord want to communicate to us? What does he want to teach us? What do we do with these Old Testament customs? In Belgian Confession, Article 25, which summarizes the idea of those customs, well, we confess that these Old Testament customs have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It is the grace of God that Christ has come to fulfill the law of the cities of refuge, which is the part of the Mosaic law. And God doesn't take the, his law lightly because God has sent his son to be our true and ultimate cities of refuge. The cities of refuge were accessible and near to all people in Israel. The way of access to these cities was to be kept free from obstacles. But cities of refuge can only save your body. It can only save your, they can only save your body, but not save you from your sin. You can flee to Jesus for refuge. He is accessible and near to all people like a highway to save you from the condemnation of sin. The question is, do you want to come to him for refuge? You might have made big or small mistakes un unintentionally in your life. Come to Jesus and he will give you true refuge. The Lord is aware of this. That is why he gave cities and sent Christ to the world. Cities of refuge only protected people who did things unintentionally. But you can also come to Jesus even for things you did intentionally. Because he has died for your sins in your place. He stayed outside the cities of refuge and he did it outside the city of Jerusalem. Do you remember that? And he was killed so you have a chance to flee to the cities of refuge. The question is, are you willing to repent and find forgiveness in Jesus? Breaking the law has consequences. Severe law-breaking actions could lead you to the physical death penalty, but there is a far more severe death penalty which lasts forever. That is 
even a small thing is enough to put us under the eternal death penalty. But Christ's death has re reversed the eternal penalty of those who believe in him. In fact, no one is innocent before God. For all have sinned against God and fallen, sh fallen short of his glory. And the law of God is the avenger to kill you. So everyone must come to Christ for refuge. There is no exceptional case. There's, there is no safety outside him, outside of him, outside him, just as the killer was not protected outside the city of refuge. We all have sinned, and wages of sin are death. So sin will chase after you restlessly as a tracking missiles. Wherever you go, it will hunt you down. Sin is like an avenger who swears, I will find you and I will kill you. So your permanent safety it lies in Christ as your ultimate refuge. And he has overcome sins and defeated death. What a grace of Christ for you and me. A few questions to consider. What is your refuge? Is that money? Profession? Your, your, your spouse? Alcohol? Or drugs? Or the only Savior, Jesus Christ? Jesus is your true refuge. Don't go to force refuge to seek force hope. The refuge is always near. Romans 10, verse 8 and 13 say, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Secondly, Christ is the high priest. Christ is our refuge. He is also our highest priest. The unintentional manslayers could have protection in the cities of refuge, and they could regain the freedom to go home until the death of the high priest. So the death of the high priest indicates the atonement for this man slayer. Hebrew, Hebrew 2, 17 says, Christ is our merciful and faithful high priest. And just as the high priest was anointed with oil, this is the Old Testament custom, prior to his death, about a week ago before Jesus' free crucifixion, Lazarus' sister, Mary anointed Jesus at Bethany. Because Jesus is the greatest high priest, his death can offer you true pardon 
and everlasting freedom, which you will continue to enjoy in the city of heaven. And there you will receive eternal comfort without fear, tear, and pain. And unlike the earthly priest who died, our high priest, Jesus, will never die. Therefore, we have everlasting salvation, everlasting protection and safety. The Old Testament high priest no longer exists. But the truth and the substance of this office remain in Christ. And we can learn from them even more fully. Now, the third truth we can learn from the passage is the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life is the reason for hot-button topics as abortion, doctor-assisted suicide, and cloning organs or parts of the body for medical treatments. The list can go, keep going. God established cities of refuge in order to prevent family vendetta. The endless revenge for centuries like religious wars in Middle East today. God does not forbid unjust killing, but also disapproves of killing in the heart. Hatred is also a type of murder. 1 John 3, 15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And we know action. We know action first comes from our heart. So God, God wants us to guard our hearts. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart holy. And fourthly, we live in a world which mistakes happen because of sin, and some of them cause dis dis disastrous consequences. There are times people die because of inaccurate medical diagnosis. Sometimes car accidents happen and kids were killed unintentionally. A story told that a missionary in Uganda was driving and accidentally killed a boy who was on his bicycle. And because there was no established modern system, law system, he must, he had to, to get to the airport as quickly as possible because, he's, because this victim's family will take revenge immediately. So he had to flee right away. God knows the world we are living in is a broken world. Yes, we know that there are many intentional crimes, but there are also a lot of unintentional killings which are difficult to judge, to be guilty or not. God is not a legalist, legalist who demands the death penalty for wrongdoers, regardless of the reasons and motivations. So God is devising a new a way only for the people of Israel, but also for us today. What God taught ancient Israelites, He also teaches us today. Yet there is more for us because of the fuller revelation we have received in the Bible. 
Fifthly, church is our refuge. In ancient times, Israelites fled to the altar and cities of refuge for protection of their lives. But in our day, God's people are given those places to go. That is our churches. What we have today is the church which God provides as our refuge. But what does church is our refuge mean? Belgian Confession Article 28 tells us that God calls his people into his church, a place of communion of saints, and there is no salvation outside the church. What I am talking about is not a church building. It is a gathering of congregation with Christ as the head and center. And we are his body. We are under his protection. So it follows that the church should be a place of refuge. All people can come to church seeking true refuge, as well as Jews and Gentiles could flee to the cities of refuge. There should not be class distinctions in the Church of Christ. Our church should be a welcoming to both our members and people coming from outside. Remember, this is not my grandparents' church, and it's not my church. It's Christ's church. You cannot reject people coming in, not even by your ignorance or indifference to the outsiders. Remember, we all were outsiders who have been included in Christ's church family. Therefore, let's not build walls around the cities, but doors open to all refuge seekers, so that more and more people can come to church to our only Savior, Christ. And surely the church can offer food and clothing in a limited and a wise way. But the most important refuge that the church can offer to the refuge seekers is the comfort and salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What can we conclude? Through the teaching of cities of refuge, God shows us sin causes the world into a place with disasters. But both intentional and unintentional killings bring consequences. In the Old Testament, God offered cities of refuge for the protection of in unintentional murders. However, cities of refuge were not perfect. They were not ideal. So in the New Testament, Christ came to fulfill the promise of the greatest cities of refuge. Now you know where to flee to seek safety and salvation. If you are running from your past, doesn't matter what happened in your past, and if you, if you have come into the church feeling that life is hopeless, let me tell you the truth that there is someone who can help you. That is our only Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We all are sinners who deserve the eternal death penalty. We all have done small or big mistakes, intentionally or unintentionally, and we have done things forgivable or even unforgivable in life. But Christ's precious blood has ransomed you and me, and he has forgiven us. What a grace. Amen.